Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's up, automotive world? This is the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I will be your host today. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. I hope everybody had a great holiday season. Uh, Today on the show, I am going to have three guests joining me uh, to talk about everybody's favorite topic, that is scan tools. Of course, this is a uh, massive area of our industry. Uh, There's so much that goes into scan tools. They're such a big part of our day-to-day lives. Um, And there's so many variables that go into this, depending on you know, where you're at in the industry and what type of vehicles that you work on on a regular basis. So the question of what scan tool is right for me uh, is really going to change based on what you specifically do. You know, what is your role or your shop's role within the industry? But that's the sort of thing that we're talking about today. What is the right scan tool for you? What is the right scan tool for your shop? You know, what's the price that goes into these things? Where can you find some value? Where might you be overpaying? What do you really want out of your scan tool? What are the features that are most important? What should you be looking for if you're doing your research? You know, you're going to go out and spend some serious money on a scan tool. It's going to be an important tool for you. You know, what are you looking for to make sure that it's doing the right things for you? That's the sort of thing we're talking about today and more. Uh, This conversation went an hour and a half easy and I didn't even realize it. It, The time just flew by because it was really cool talking to these three really smart individuals. And they are Matt Fonslow, who's been on the podcast several times before. So I'm sure everybody knows Matt's a really smart guy and contributes a lot to this podcast. Uh, Garrett Jacobson, who was recently on for a really good episode about HP tuners. I learned a lot from that one. So if you haven't listened to that episode, check it out. And I'm also really excited to have Matthew Skundrich on the podcast. He hasn't been on the show yet, and I'm very excited to have him here uh, because he does an enormous amount of programming and diagnostics in Florida. He runs his own company there. A really, really smart guy who has a lot of insight into what we do as technicians as far as scan tools, programming, even we talk a little bit about some ADAS stuff as well that he's been out there doing. So happy to have him on the show as well. I think everybody's really going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right into it. We don't care about fan slow. He drives a hybrid escape. You couldn't have asked for a worse car in the existence of cars. And the dude's like wicked smart. Like he's got like cool stuff. And then it's like, oh man, I drive a hybrid escape. What? Too good. I I like have a love hate relationship with tuners. Like I wish I could take like a five hour tuning class. Um and and actually take what I know about cars and apply it to tuning. But at the same time, I just wish I could like stop people from tuning cars. So uh, I'm in this transmission group and everybody wants to tune 6L80s because they turn the torque converter clutch on all the time. And I'm like, listen, it's on for a reason. Leave it alone. If you don't know how to fix it, stop fixing these transmissions. 
people throw the kitchen sink at any six series trans, honestly, and especially on the tuning side of it, guys like to just disable all torque management, which is so bad. Those things are like glass when you do that. I mean, it damn near turns it back into a 4L60 where a 4L60 could break if I pushed the car. So <laughs> it, it, yeah. it's, it's a bad scenario there, but. Okay, turn off the torque converter clutch all and, yeah. you know, have somebody go through it if the clutches are burnt and it'll last you another 150,000 miles, 200,000 miles. And I'm like, all right. When those are tuned properly, you can make those things shift super, super firm toward, I mean, on the high side of things where it's nice, but I mean, you can drive around. I could put my wife in it. It'd be comfortable. There's a really good uh, blend of that, but I just see a lot of tuners. They just immediately go for broke. I mean, literally broke. So it, there's a catch to it, but it, yeah. it's the fun world that I get to live in. Like I said, I, it's, it's the beauty. I, I just see so much the bad side of that, but also the good side of it too. So the only reason I own HP tuners at all is theft deletes. Um, you get the older PCMs, you can't get a theft module for anymore. And now they've got this and, and I'm in Florida, right? So we have like no rust. Like I have 94 civics driving around that look like they came <laughs> off the showroom floor. And so it just becomes this catch 22. What do you do with this 2005 silver auto? That's a four by four with a six O that tows a tractor every day, right? Like the guy wants his truck and he'll put 10, $12,000 into it. But he needs a theft module. Okay, we'll just delete it. And well, now people think I can tune because I have HP tuners. And I'm like, nope, not me. Yeah, that's that's the same thing up here. I mean, I live in farm territory per se. No different than like Sean. I mean, that's it, we got guys that have, I mean, beat to crap six liter truck or, or beyond. And they just need it adjusted. So where are you at in Florida? I am south east of orlando in a small town called st cloud okay so my wife and i own a place in palm harbor so just have... north, north clearwater area clearwater oh okay yeah, yeah i know where clearwater is yep yep so we uh actually so i, I do part-time work for the tuning school which is out of north tampa odessa area um so we spend a lot of time in florida uh, primarily during the summers awkwardly but that's just the time that I have off from the college. So that's how it works out usually. But isn't Sean in like Canada or something crazy? Pretty, Pretty much. It's Minnesota. Yeah. If I, if I get up on a really tall building, I can, I can see <laughs> Canada. <laughs> well, Matt has like the Canadian accent. He fools everybody. Yeah. Right. He even says a, it, it, <laughs> It's it's Ope when I or when I walk in or like you know you almost bump into somebody at a store like oh sorry it I can't stop it it just comes out of my mouth it's yeah well the worst is is there's another Sean in the in the J page that has that is from Canada and you guys both have like (laughs) hockey pictures or something and I'm like Jesus I understand hockey's obsessive but come on I can't keep anybody straight anymore. So, Sean, I've always made fun of Wisconsin people for their Canadian accent. Do okay. you get the same stuff? Well, I, I just make fun of Wisconsin people because they're <laughs> from Wisconsin. But, Fair enough. You know. <laughs> Based on the riots and everything else, um, I'm excluding yeah. from the United States. <laughs> um, yeah, lately, I actually, Wisconsin hasn't looked too bad. So they extended all the lockdowns today so you know we actually we were in hudson 
uh, this weekend and it was insane. I could not believe we wanted to go eat at a restaurant just we hadn't in a while and it was an hour 15 wait minimum wherever we went and there's lines out the doors and everything because everybody from minnesota is going over there trying to get trying to get a a meal (laughs) (laughs) you guys can do anything down there (laughs) that's crazy yeah we our governor's like yeah covid's gonna kill all the old people we don't care go do what you want (laughs) i won't suck to drive in florida so bad uh, it's still going to suck. <laughs> we got all the New Yorkers moving down here, and then they're voting Democrat, so it's not going to be fun very much longer. Did you guys conclude the HP tuners discussion, or did I miss out on that? Uh, we were just shooting the breeze about how much we hate tuners because they want you okay. to fix tuned cars, and you're like, but I don't know anything about this car. What's deleted? What's not deleted? Can you can you give me his tune file so I can look at it first? Yeah, because yeah, I bought it, too, for... A, very specific purpose, but found I use it quite a bit. And when I see these posts about e-scan, it's hard. It's so hard not to just post something like, why would you drop over a grand for that? When you can $300 I, okay. and you can do the same shit. Oh, this bed's really yes. Preach. <laughs> Preach. Um, here's what's really sad. Um, since we're on scan tools, I have the original Bosch. Master Tech VCI, the little gray box, green box. Oh, the VCI, eh? Yeah, the the original green VCI mm-hmm. or MVCI, the Master Tech, and it has an OBD2 scanner that to this day makes anything else look like a joke. And and I've had it since 2003. And so you want to restart this, Sean, so that you can kind of lead he, us he's into recording. it. No, we're yeah, we're recording. We're all we're all good. We'll he do can a, edit and put an intro in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, I found so many people I've talked to. If I don't hit record right away, I miss something good. Or the, the other thing, I I stopped recording, and then and then we have like another ten minutes of awesome conversation. So. I'm Every just, time you move your arm, the Christmas present show, and I just yeah. <laughs> What's my wife getting? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so you had the old VCI. I still have uh, a couple old Master Techs I kept around because, for the life of me, I can't locate a Tech One. And not that it's funny. nearly every day, but you know what? I get pre OBD uh, two, you know OBD one GMs in, and Master Tech or Tech One does what I need it to do, whether it's you know, a bi-directional control or freaking in the data list to look at a PID. It's in the tech one or it's in the master tech. It's not in any of my aftermarket scan tools. Well, Altel won't even do anything before 96 anymore. They've just yeah. removed it for space. I, I remember the first time I ran into that because they give you the Autel with all the connectors. It was the 708. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this thing's sweet. It's got all the connectors. And then I tried to hook up to 94 or something. And I'm like, well, this is useless. I can't do anything with it. <laughs> But it used to do OBD1 stuff, really? and they removed it for yeah. space, yeah. Oh, I mean, your okay. original 708, if you didn't update it uh, for to a certain point, you still had OBD1. Matter of fact, I have a uh, a 908P sitting in my garage that's probably five years old now. It still does OBD1 because it's never been updated. Yeah. Did uh, you keep – can you still do the GM programming? No, no. It's, uh, it was updated since they – like I'm one update past that. Yeah. Um, and that's why I stopped updating it actually. <laughs> <laughs> but their cloud server's gone, so it wouldn't matter anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. 
So you guys mentioned OBD one and we kind of talked HP tuners. Had any of you guys ever dealt with tuner cat before then for OBD one VM stuff? Yeah, I had a buddy mail me tuner cat because I had a '94 Corvette that nope. had a VATS problem, and he's like, "Yo, man, I got this thing called tuner cat, man. It'll delete anything." All right, mail it down. He mailed me down a laptop and tuner cat, and like he had all this stuff. Like Matt, install this file into this Corvette, and I'm like, "Thank you for making my life easy." But it's yeah. the only thing I know that does VATS deletes. Yep, old school stuff like that. I mean, and that goes back to our truck comment right there. Like realistically, somebody. You know, they're not going to dump a lot of money or remind them not even find the parts. And that's, you know, it's an aftermarket thing that, hey, you can get dirt cheap and you have in your arsenal. I can't remember the last time I've done anything like chip based per se, but it's there if you ever need it. And it's honestly for the logging proportion of stuff. You can get some really cool data out of that stuff. So you guys are mentioning some of these tools and I'm like young millennial of the group, I think. I, I'm not like, what, what, what are you saying? <laughs> hey, I'm only 33. I just look old. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't know, like tools are, I just feel like if you don't have like five scanners and you're going to diagnose a car, you're just shooting yourself in the foot unless you got the OEM. And and sometimes even then. Yeah, even then, like. Sometimes. If Ford works today to, to let you program that thing, yeah. it'll be a miracle. <laughs> good, yeah, good luck tomorrow. So, yeah. so, so the solution is just buy all the scan tools. Well, well, that, yeah, ultimately. <laughs> so that, that's it. We're done, right? We're yeah. done. <laughs> Buy everything. But, Buy I two know. of everything. I don't have everything. To a normal shop, though, like being completely realistic here, to a normal shop that maybe all of us walk into, I mean, what do they need? What's your, I mean, seriously, what do you guys think they need? need? I think they need more than one. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I yeah. think, well, and I there's kind of two answers. They, they kind of coincide a little bit. I think every tech, regardless of position in the shop, should have a scan tool of sort, some sort, professional level, not a code reader. Whether they're the lube guy for oil chain, you know, oil life reset type stuff, monitors, uh, maybe some TPMS type stuff, and, and code scans, right? Every, every car should be scanned. Health check, if you will. Like basic from a shop a- perspective. Basic as in even no bi-directional or you still want bi-directional? No, no, they got to have bi-directional. Yeah, I think if you're going to buy them for the cost, you just get the real deal. If we're going to name drop, um, you know. All tell minus 6BT. Well, I I mean, for many years, Snap-on was always like, you got to have a Snap-on in the shop. And maybe you really still do should have one. But it's now shifting more like, dude, you guys should probably have an Autel or two and launch or something like that for sure and then of course the oe scan tool for the cars you or the car lines you're working on primarily right because every shop kind of has a couple lines that dominate service whatever that may be that's the tough part when people go on you maybe a facebook group or something and say what's what scan tool should i buy or what's the best one out there and it it really depends on what you work on the most what you see the most that's going to change what's going to be most valuable to you so there's going to be some research that you've got to do to figure out what's going to work on what you work on and and let's expand the scan tool market right so now you can buy a jbox yeah. And get so many tools to work. Yep. And and so now when the shop's like, hey, what should I buy? I'm like, well, what do you work on? Oh, I work on Toyotas, Hondas. I'm like, just buy a J-Box, man. Go buy a Kardec 3 or yep. or get an Altel 
the Ultra or the MS909 or 919 that, that comes with the new J-Box. And you get all the protocols. You can do anything you want to them cars for minimum dollars a day. And, and you're done. Um, you still have, obviously, some limitations with Ford, they, unless you're working 2018 and up. But let's face it. I mean, we're in 2020, fixing to go to 2021. Them 2018s are three years old now. So it's only a matter of time before you only need a J box. And it's hard for me to accept that somebody's going to say VCM two or three is cost prohibitive. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. A VCM three is so cheap. I, I, I think most dealers will probably sell them to a shop that buys a decent amount of parts for them for twelve thirteen hundred dollars. I mean, yeah. twelve thirteen hundred dollars. I programmed a Chrysler with one the other day just for giggles <laughs> and it did it wireless. So, I mean, I, I hooked it up wireless and and I programmed a Chrysler with my VCM three. Now now granted I'm a little more gutsy than the average shop, but I mean it worked, so who cares? <laughs> and, awesome. and it works great because it's wireless. Um I haven't tried it with Honda yet because it's not installed in that partition. Um but it's on my list of things to do this weekend is to put my VCM three on my Asian partition because I'm really sick of dragging my Kardec three cord around when I go to do a Honda radar to adjust it and see what it says on the screen. Okay, so oh, so you just have it right with you when you're over by the target. Wait, wait. So on the Honda, the radar, it's this little square thing, and you put the cone out, and then there's two screws, and you got to adjust the screws so that it shows zero zero. And on your laptop is the display of the actual measurement that it sees. So as you turn the screw, it's a live change. So when you're standing in front of it, because you pretty much got to stand in front of it to turn the screw, it says negative 12.8, negative 12.8, and then you move out of the way for a second, it shows you the numbers. Well, it's really annoying if you are if you don't bother to do them enough to go, oh, do I need to turn it clockwise or counterclockwise? Well, you do what I do. You just turn it one full turn and be like, oh, wrong way, and then you turn it two <laughs> turns, right? Because that's, that's the way, I, I mean, I, I guess I should learn which way does what, but I'm just too lazy. I mean, it's so easy to just turn it, oh, wrong way, but I, I drag my laptop to the front wheel, but I'm limited to that USB cord length. Do you, uh, I'm just curious on this ADAS stuff. Do you uh, carry all the targets and stuff around with you or do you have uh, another yeah. vehicle just for all that? No. So um, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I have almost all the OE targets and they sit at home. I have almost all the OE targets and they sit at home. And then I carry around my Altel MA600 all day because it's in a nice case. It's smaller um, and it works. Uh, so I carry around my MA600. Now, I don't carry every target to the MA600. Like I don't carry the VAG and the Porsche one or the VAG, the Audis. I don't see them. Um, Honda, Kia, Lane departure warnings. I don't do a lot of them. So there's some of the bigger targets. I just leave at home in my garage with the OE targets. And what's sad is if I get a call for one of them, I just grab the OE target. I don't even take the Honda or I don't even take the Altel one with me because I'm like, I already spent this stupid money on the OE. <laughs> Might as well use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and I'm one of them guys who are like, okay, well, I did it with the OE. Now let me try it with the Altel. And I had no difference. And after five or six cars of having no difference, I'm like, I'm going to stop carrying the OE. It's bigger. It's bulkier. And honestly, PVC pipe, yep. really? Like, come on. If you've yeah. ever seen a Honda set up with the PVC going around, you're going, the wind blows, the whole thing falls over, and you ruin $900 worth of targets and PVC. 
So it's just like crap. Um, and that that's the OE setup. With that's PCB. the OE setup. Okay. PVC. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when you Toyota's order, wood stand. Yeah, yeah, Toyota's got a wooden stick with a lead weight <laughs> in the bottom of it, and it's like three hundred dollars. It's like, come on. Yeah. Now I will say I do carry around the uh, the OE Triangle versus the Altel one because the Toyota Triangle, the Honda Triangle are the exact same size, and then the Mazda Triangle smaller. But it goes on yep. a tripod, and it's so little. It takes up so little space in my truck. I don't care. You just, just throw it behind my back seat. But this brings up a good point. I'll segue into price, right? So that's my that's my beef with with Snap-on right now. I'm going to buy a Zeus. It's $18,000. I'm like, what's wrong with you? $18,000. You can buy every OE factory tool for domestic and Asian and be done. Like, why would you spend $18,000 on a Zeus? Yeah, and you so could that, be digging. You could be digging into some Euro stuff pretty deep on that budget too. Who's yeah. your Snap-on guy that's selling you this for eighteen thousand? <laughs> well, I, I want to meet that guy and shake his hand because I sure as hell have not purchased any Snap-on tool for that kind of money. Well, that's what a Zeus <laughs> MSRP is, and if you're going to talk pricing, you got to talk MSRP because that's the only level playing field you have. Because if you if you name any other any other point, well. Who, who's got the best deal, right? I mean, you could nitpick all day and get, get an all-tell ultra for way cheaper than what it lists for. So I just use MSRP as the baseline. This is what Snap-on says it should cost. Now, granted, that $18,000 is three years of pro demand. It's three years of this, three years of this. Yeah, they're intelligent diagnostics subscription. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So so you're getting three years of stuff, but it still is $18,000. <laughs> For a snap-on. <laughs> so there's a, there's a shop that I go to pretty regularly, and they have a Zeus. And I think he told me he paid somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 to 14 grand for the setup. And yeah, I, I don't know, it's shop key or whatever. Um, I'm not super familiar with it. He let me play around with it a little bit this summer because I was there a lot, and I never used one. So I was messing around with it, and it's a nice tool for sure. I like it. But here's the thing, and he's pissed about this because I use my – my launch die gun for, which is $700. And I go in there on a regular basis and do things that his Zeus won't do. And he's, he is legitimately pissed about it because I don't generally tell people how much I paid for tools, but I I like this guy. I was like, dude, like this thing's only $700 and I'm doing, you know, Mercedes air suspension calibration and stuff like that. And he's, he's legitimately upset because of course, they're salesmen, but they the snap on people come in there and say this will do everything, and here's the cost, and he's just he feels like he got taken for. So that I guess that's my point of view on it. Not that snaps on is a bad tool; it's just it has its pluses. Absolutely. If, if you're going to do drivability diagnostics, you're not taking an Altel. No. You're just not. You're grabbing that Zeus because it will record because it graphs the best. Because the live data is so much faster, and you're driving down the road with that eighteen thousand dollar tool. Now, granted, if I have to do drivability diagnostics, I just load the OEM tool and go to town because it's the easiest and best way. But not everybody has that, so that's where to answer your question. I think a shop needs a snap on, but I think they need to get like whatever is above an ethos because the ethos I, I had right. one, it was okay. See, that's, yeah, that's like Solus Edge. Because, yeah, but the Solus Edge now you now. You're getting a, a scan tool, which is, I mean, it's a really nice scan tool, but you might as well bump up even one to that and go into their modus territory 
because at oh. least you get a lab scope with that. Yeah. I mean, I hate to, that. That's the power to move with. Uh, I mean, if you're going to pay this much money, you might as well get that extra with it. And for anyone out there that has a, I mean, that's why I love my stamp on. I can go with one tool, one. I don't have to take my Chevy truck. I can take my Ford Escape hybrid and show up to this place. And I, and all I, all I have is my backpack with me. Okay. And I can use my graphing scanner. I can find out what's going on. I can usually figure out my directions and boom, I can go with my lab scope if I need to. And it's all in one tool. And honestly, I feel confident that the Snap-on lab scope is pretty nice. I mean, it's not the best one on the market by any means, but it's very powerful. And for, especially for younger users that, you know, they're, they're kind of getting their, they're cutting their teeth on this. It's fairly easy to use. I mean, it's functional. It's all there. And the bigger thing, especially for what I see here in the Midwest, everyone has one at their shop. Everyone has one for at least in my area. So there's communication that I can go, okay, Hey Matt, well, what about this? And and we can communicate and and work back and forth. But the the even better thing with that is the guided component testing to some of these people. They have no clue that uh, just a basic ass one here, a throttle position sensor. They have no clue what the wire, the three wires are to how the component works. They don't even know that it's a five volt sensor, but they can go to the component information, read exactly what colors, what read exactly how to hook their lab scope up and exactly what the output should be. So there's so much power in that. That's where like, to be honest, I don't really, if I'm going to buy a snap on tool and, and this is going to be terrible because some snap on guys are going to be like, well, why would you ever say that? I'm not buying an ethos. I'm not buying a Solus. I'm not buying an ethos plus to me personally, that's garbage because I don't get the extra lab scope with it. Even if it's just the two channel lab scope, it's still a lab scope. At the end of the day, you're still getting some meat and potatoes with it instead of just a scanner. I mean, if I'm going to get a scanner, might as well buy a a cheap $700 launch. I might buy, I mean, I mean, honestly, if that's what we're looking for, I might as well buy the cheapest one. That's where the snap on for me really kind of comes in and hits hard. Yeah, the the snap on is great in that aspect, and then you get a Chrysler that's got a WCM that's bad, and you're like, oh, I can't do anything with my snap on. Let me go get Why that seven hundred because it won't do it. You can't code a new one. You can't learn keys. You can't do any of that. So and, keep going because that, that that's where I'm going with this. Because I mean, that, some people don't see that and they think, oh, I can snap on's got their way around certain modules. Well, they have gateway stuff that we can break into stuff, but it's not everything. No, right. and, but that's and what that, people get their the thinking of when they hear this from their snap-on guy unfortunately yes and you're right and that's why i say every shop and and i think you have a very valid point with the scope i mean i personally don't like component testing because i feel it handholds a little too much and i i find techs are becoming complacent with it i mean we could have the i can't find a fix i mean identifix discussion another time (laughs) (laughs) but i mean I will agree with you. A shop should at least have a modus in their arsenal of tools because, and, and the real sad part about the modus is, is most shops have one and the leads are still brand new in the package. Yeah. Yep. Preach. And then yeah. you go to the shop and they're like, Oh, if I only had your tools, so I could diagnose this car. That's like my favorite thing to hear. And I'm like, Oh, what do you got? Oh, you got a modus. <laughs> oh, you've got the old modus with the four channel lab scope. Can I borrow that? And then you hook it up without component testing and you're like here you go here's the same picture i got yep i, like, I i'm with you there because i'll go in and, and I, I hear the same thing well you, it's because you got that fancy tool over there I'm like dude 
your old school something that's not even touchscreen, your old school motor <laughs> that's worth $400 at this point does the exact same thing. It's, it's the same stuff. You know, I, I love that when I walk into that scenario because honestly, it proves that their tool is just as powerful if they just sat down and used it. And, you know, there is a lot of, I mean, teaching material inside of those also. I mean, if you go into the guided component testing, it, it, even though it's hand-holding per se, you can learn from that. So the next time you go to do this, screw it. Go to the lab scope proportion and just dial in five volt, test lead, five second, no filter, boom, boom, boom. You know, hit your peak, uh, your peak, so you can uh, you, you peak detect, so you can catch your glitch, and boom, you're on. You know, you can look for those things. So that, that that's where it becomes super powerful if people would just sit down and use it. But honestly, ninety percent of the shops, and I teach how to use a Snap-on uh, tool for some of the local Snap-on reps, and I see this all the time. They always want to learn super duper lab scope this, lab scope that, but their leads have more dust on them than a gravel road here in Iowa. I mean, it's just like, you guys don't even, I can't teach you if you're not going to pick it up when you go home. Yeah. I I've always said the problem with our industry isn't, isn't people willing to learn it. They always think the basics is above them. I mean, I taught a basic electrical class for somebody and we started with, well, how does electricity work? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's this moving across. Well, what happens? Well, this bumps this, which bumps this, which bumps this, and this is how it flows. This is how it works. This is what an actual volt is. This is what an ohm is. This is how we measured it. This is who created it. And somebody's like, dude, I've sat in a hundred electrical classes. Nobody's ever explained to me how it works. That's kind of cool. But I was like, really? And the guy's been in the field for 30 years. And I'm like, come on, how many electrical classes have you taken in 30 years? I mean, I know every one of us has probably sat in more basic electrical classes than we'll ever care to admit. But everyone you sit in, you're like, oh, that was a good tip. Oh, I like that little saying. I'm going to steal that for my intern. You know, you always pick something up. I don't understand why this industry is so against the basics anymore. I make more money off fuses than anything else alive. <laughs> I promise you. I swear, I just leaned in there because I was just going to say that. You say, you know how much money I've made off of a blown fuse? No, no, no. Not blown. They didn't I check to make sure no. the fuse was in the right hole. <laughs> That's even better. Just a fuse. <laughs> a fuse, man. man no, I got no power going to this TCM. Why all the fuses missing? I I tell some of my students like I went to the shop and I diagnosed this and you know this is what the problem was and yeah something like a fuse or a broken wire here and they're like really you you got paid x amount of dollars to go tell a professional shop this I'm like yeah that's what's out there. I mean, not every shop. Obviously, there's no. good shops. They're not the ones calling me, but there's a, enough shops to keep me pretty busy with with needs like that. And that that is that is the tough part about the industry is that's that's the professional level out there servicing a large portion of customers. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, we're we're laughing and joking about it, but that is the most depressing statement we've said all night. Like that's the level that's out there. And I mean, we're talking about scan tools because everybody wants to know what to buy. So, okay. So you should have a modus with a two channel scope, but then I think you need like an all tell because of the bi-directional stuff that's missing out of the snap on. Yeah. Like calibration and initialization type stuff that snap on doesn't do so hot or Euro (laughs) or or overall modules. Um, communication you know you do a health check or all module scan whatever you would want to call it with a snap on and you know a lot of vehicles you might be lucky to hit 20 you know 20 modules and then you plug the nautel or a launch or the oe tool whatever 
uh, Autoland Scientech, and now all of a sudden you've got 35 or 32. It's significantly more. And okay, maybe normally you wouldn't care until there's an issue with that module you can't even talk to. You can't even see it there. Maybe you got codes and other modules about this other module it can't communicate with, and your scan tool couldn't talk to it anyways. And typically, typically, Autol and Launcher uh, and Autoland even are really pretty good about, you know, at least communicating the, with those modules and allowing something, codes, data, active test, um, and then by and large, I would say for the most part, calibration, initialization type stuff. My biggest beef with the Autel is if the module doesn't communicate, it doesn't even show it on the list. Yeah, yeah so, it drops it out. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> here's a prime example that Audi that I was sharing with you guys that I did the calibrations for. Um, I had to do the two radar calibrations on that 2016 Audi tonight. Well, it started off with a no, no cruise control because it had a missing message code. Well, the adaptive cruise just said missing message. And I'm like, well, what's missing? Well, I scanned it and that was the only module that had a missing message. I'm like, well, what's missing? Well, luckily the shop had done a pre-scan. And when I looked and compared their pre-scan Autel to my Autel, I was like, oh, module 8B isn't on my scan. Oh, that's nice to know. And it ended up being something really stupid. Like they put the left radar in the right, the right radar in the left. So of course, one's a master, one's a slave. If you put them in backwards, one doesn't work. But I mean, that was a, that was kind of an odd one because I had nothing else reporting for a long time. Like I had to drive the car about five miles for the gateway even reported what the module was missing. So it would have killed. I, I would just love if Altel would just leave them in there as like non-commutative or something. Yeah. Launch says not equipped if it, if it can't talk to it, which that may be the case, but that's also a module that doesn't communicate. So at least it stays on that screen, which I kind of like. Yeah, I, I would not like not equipped though. That would throw so many people off. That that very true. If you if you're not aware of what the possibilities are, then you just assume that it's not equipped. <laughs> I mean, they could just steal Ford's logic. Optional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, an SRS unit really isn't optional anymore, people. <laughs> I. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So I guess the car lines that list off the <clears throat> what should be on there, they kind of spoil us. But that's yeah, getting fewer and fewer too now. I mean, who's left doing it? Chrysler. Yeah. Um, Ford's doing it now with FDRS, but IDS didn't do it. And I mean, those are the only two I can think of really off the top of my head. That's not Euro. Right. I was, yeah. I was thinking when I said it, primarily uh, Chrysler and um, Euro cars. Yeah. I, I haven't used the Accenture much, so I don't know what it <laughs> what it does. I ain't baller <laughs> like that. <laughs> Has anybody used the Autel Ultra yet? No. I've seen no. it. I've played with it. I've touched it. Okay. Because they have, have uh, some sort of tree, right? Yeah. So I have a nine um, 909. Or do you have the 919? There's two. 909, 919. Uh, yeah, I got the 909. The Basically, a, kind of like a 908. Uh, but it's got the ultra, if you will, ultra software, if that makes sense. And it does that um, module topography, if you will. And I do like that. But it's like you said, if it doesn't communicate with it, um, it may not show up on there. 
but it's yeah. pretty cool. It does it on lots of car lines, you know, like General Motors. You would never really see that. And, you know, knock on wood so far, the tree shows what network it's on. And uh, so far, I think of all the cars I've scanned, I found one that was wrong. But otherwise, it's been consistently. If it says it's on, you know, B-Can, it's on B-Can. And that's kind of nice to know. I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to struggle to think of an example that I've fixed a car because of it. But I guess I'd like to know that if I've got a string of modules and, oh, they're all on B-Can and I just see it right there. That's um, that's pretty awesome. I I do a lot of programming for dealers, which sounds weird that I go into a dealer <laughs> and program a dealer car, but I do a lot of them, um, particularly a Ford dealer. He says it's cheaper to pay me my stupid fee than it is to have one of his techs spend five hours programming a car that doesn't want to get programmed. And I actually will make a network topology map or I'll go into the Oasis program because they give you the map so I can see what's on what. But um, GDS2 has, or sorry, TechLine Connect, which is what GM is moving to, which integrates service information, GDS2, tech to win it's all together. Um, on their main screen in the top right, it has a little network map. And it doesn't matter if the module is there or not. If it's there, it's it's green. If it's not there, it's red. If it's got codes, it's red. So you're like, wait, this module not there? Or does it just yeah. have codes? <laughs> but at least it gives it to you. I mean, yeah, what's, it would be it would be nice if they all did the Y Tech deal, right? It's just it's all right there. It's color coded. Yeah, I mean, Co- codes, flashes, everything in one yep. picture is that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> the, there's it's flashes, and then there's um, oh man, now I forgot the term, but it's like not important flash. Oh, essential, um, essential, essential flash, essential. Oh. <laughs> which basically means. If you don't do this, the customer may die. <laughs> Every time I read one of them, it's like, this may cause the SRS unit to not deploy airbags under high-speed crashes above 102 mile an hour. I'm like, well, they might need that at 102. I, what's the cheapest tool you think somebody should own? I mean, let's say a tech just wants to buy a scanner. Right. I don't I don't have a diagon, so I can't speak to that. Yeah, that's that's the one. I, I tell all my students buy this tool because yeah. don't don't you know, maybe this career doesn't work out for you or maybe you take a different path. Don't spend ten grand on a scan tool right away. Spend seven hundred or eight hundred dollars on this launch and it'll get you by for I I, t- I tell them I was like, this is what I start with on a lot of my stuff when I hook up to cars. For most stuff it gets me by and you can have it for X amount of dollars. So yeah, it's, it's a Chinese market tool. So that might be the downside. Like you don't have a snap on dealer or you don't have a launch dealer coming by your shop every week. Um, but it's, I love it. It's an awesome tool for, for the money, for what you pay for the graphing sucks, but, uh, I think it kicks ass, honestly. Until hearing him, I would have said the Autel 906 minimum. See, and I, I tell everybody to buy a 906 BT because if they're starting out in the industry, they're usually on a Lubrac. And what do you do in the Lubrac? Tires and oil changes. Yep. So I want them to have that 906 BT uh, or the 906 with the TPMS. I, I think it's TS. TS. I yeah, I keep yeah. saying BT because that's, but it's well, the TS. The that's what it was for the longest time. The time. Yeah. 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 
So they need the 906 TS because now they've got the TPMS tool, which is 300 bucks. I think Altel makes the best one that's the cheapest. That's 300. And then you've got that full bi-directional scanner that's wireless Bluetooth now. So they can at least maybe do a little bit more. So they might be spending 11, 1200 bucks, but they got a twofer. Um, but now, now I think I might go below seven hundred dollars on a launch Daigon just to try it. It does it PMIs on Mazdas and Fords. I mean, well, how, how cool is that? <laughs> here's the problem with the PMI. I got guys doing just the PMI, going, "Oh, I programmed it." I'm like, "Ah, oh, I punch you! You did not program it. You did some basic coding." But for seven hundred bucks, I I just think that's impressive, and I. I, I I don't know. That's me. I see. My problem is, is I do like the value for dollar. You know, obviously I want the tool that's going to get done, but if I can get something for a reasonable price and it's, yeah, <laughs> it does a job, I like that. And I didn't know if Garrett was going to add something. No, I agree on the hotel side of it, especially for me you, and Sean, you, you mentioned, I told my, you said you tell your students that that's a cheap tool to, to buy. Maybe the problem that I always think about the student aspect of it too, because I, I think, Okay, maybe a student that's going to buy one and they're going to only last in the field for two years. What's that launch worth in two years? Versus what's the Autel worth worth in two two years? My opinion is the Autel might be there. There's people like us idiots that that'll get on Facebook Marketplace and pick that thing up. You know, if I see a launch on Facebook Marketplace, I'm probably just going to buy a new one. It's like we know each other. I've never met you before in my life. But. <laughs> How about no, that? I'd never like, get on just, Facebook Marketplace and shop for tools at midnight. Like, I'm, not, I'm not even showing him my hands. He's reading my palms. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it, it, you know, I kinda, it's a value for dollars and at that point, too. You know, I, it, and I know a skin tool isn't necessarily – some people are going to be say it's not an investment, but it, I guess it is. To me, it kind of is. You know, I want it to either pay itself off or be worth something. Because if I'm spending a thousand bucks, just a thousand, well, I, I still want something out of it. Make me some money or give me my money back. And, and that's even goes all the way up to a 10,000. I don't care what the tool is, but that's how, and, and that's not to punch the, the launch by any means because it, it, it's a phenomenal tool to us that are going to use it all the time. So somebody that's going to use it all the time, but hopefully it would maintain its value. The, the word Chinese scares me to say that's going to be on Facebook Marketplace and a year from now for $250. That's the, that's the only thing that would scare me about it. Now from usage, hell yeah, buy it for the money that you're going to spend. If you're going to use it, then yes. But if you're like on the fringe and your mom and dad are like, Hey, uh, I'll buy you a scan tool for Christmas. Then I don't know if that's my guy. Now I, I would say if, if you're talking to a school person, right? First year school person, uh, I went to UTI. Um, so it was one year. I loved it. Um, it's down the street from me, so it made it real easy. Um, so it was one year and done. I, I bought an Ethos while I was there because I was working in a shop, and it's what I could afford. And and honestly, Altel really wasn't that big in 2004. <laughs> so, no, no. I, I mean, it wasn't much. Um, but now, if you're talking, I, I would I would agree. Either a 906 BT maybe a launch diagram. I, I've never used one. Now I got to buy one for $700 cause $700. So who cares? Um, but if you're talking to tech, who's been three or four, three years in the field, he's staying, obviously he's probably, yep. if he went to school, I'm going to assume at three years, he's an ASC master tech because he has a knowledge background. He's used to taking tests, right? Then, then I'm going to say he needs at least a modus. 
he he better be starting to get into scoping things. And if he's not going to bust out money for a modus, then then he's going to need something like a a nine oh nine Altel, and then <clears throat> you know you better have a, a Pico or even the Altel scope to go with it. Let's talk about that when we're done with this one. I want to talk about the Altel scope. Um, yeah, or or like you're saying, a 906 with a you know even a U scope. I know you can't dual yeah. channel, but you know for affordability and capability, that's that's a tough scope to beat. You know, yeah, everybody, <laughs> every shop should probably have a Pico or something of that nature. But <clears throat> I, I think every tech um, it's rough have on a the U-scope. tech. Yeah, yeah, I think every- I, yeah, I agree. Every tech should could pony up. You know what? Le- under five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, and if you just want the scope, spend 170 bucks and I, replace your voltmeter. You know, I, I don't know. I, I bring that thing with me everywhere. So for the, again, for the price, I, I'm just the cheapskate over here, but man, that use scope takes ass. I don't ass. know if it's a cheapskate though, because <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's kind of a first grab because yeah. a lot of times you're just looking at kind of one thing. Mm-hmm. Right. You no, know, I think <laughs> I don't want to keep interrupting you, so. I have a four channel Pico. I never pull it out of my truck anymore. Never. Because I, I get, I'm like, Oh look, I'm having this random cam code. Well, gee, why don't I look at it with my U scope first? It's, it's there. And, and right away I can check five volts. I can check the signal and I can check the ground and I'm done. I don't need a four channel. And these guys talking about needing 16, 12 channels. I'm like, good night. What are you people doing in your spare time? Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, when you start taking, talking scopes, it's usually drivability, right? But the, I use my scope a lot, probably more for non-drivability type stuff, interior, uh, whatever it is, like, you know, mode doors, verify a signal or, you know, the blower motor doesn't work. Just quick test that way. And not every blower mo- control module is fed just straight voltage for position. And it's a frequency signal of some sort. So... I like looking at the pattern rather than reading a number changing on my screen. So that's why I grabbed that thing. And it's that fluke meter hardly ever gets used. I mean, if I use a fluke meter, it's my uh, Megger. That's when I use a fluke meter. Megger? Uh, insulation tester for oh. uh, high voltage. Or if you want to, you know, zap somebody, it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold these. <laughs> is that how you test out the new guy see if he's got a pacemaker <laughs> you got the wherewithal for those trades hang on to this for a second <laughs> I yeah I, I don't know man like I have a Pico I have a 4425 and I've got the dual WPS kit with every adapter and, and honestly the only time the Pico comes out first is if it's a misfire because if I'm getting called in, they've already put a plug and a coil in it. So at that point, I'm just like, screw it. Just pull out the spark plug, put it in the in the hole that's got the number, or put it in the tailpipe, figure out which one it is, then put the WPS in the yeah. hole and, and see where we're going. But, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Maybe, yeah. a, maybe a 909 and a, and a U-scope is the answer for a lot of middle-level techs. Yeah, I think if, if you're t- the tech level – you know, like some the scope, the stuff you're talking about, scan tool stuff. But it's you'd like to see the shop invest in multiple scan tools that are available for every tech. 
you would like that. I mean, look at the shops we go into. They have one one scan tool that's probably outdated by three years. And if you yeah. ask them for a scope, they look at you like you have three heads or you're their ex-wife and they're just going to shoot you because they, they they don't know how to use it. So now they're just totally turned off by it. Yeah. yeah. Or you're going in there. They, they're bringing you in because they know you have the factory tools and you're going in and you're in and out because you're using a different aftermarket tool. And not necessarily knocking OE tools. It's just a lot of times you can do the same thing with an uh, aftermarket tool faster because they're handheld and boot up faster and you're in and out. There's less hoops to jump through. And But you got the OE tool there just in case, right? You know, I, I don't, I find as all the OE tools I have, and I don't know if I have nearly as many as Matt does, but, it, <laughs> you know, they're there because... You know, I use them, I need them, but uh, a lot of times I'm doing them with a capable aftermarket tool, getting a lot of stuff done that way. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I've gone to shops and diagnosed a car with my Altel and I look over on their bench and they have the same Altel I do. And I'm like, why, why, why couldn't you do this? Uh, well, you have the OE tool. And I'm like, you do realize I just used your Altel. And if I have time, those are great days, right? Because then you can take the time, then you grab their Altel. And show them what you did because now now it's a learning experience for the shop. Yeah, some um, of it's like Autel did us a little bit of a favor with the way they label some of the menus. You know, hot yes. functions and programming. So a lot of guys are like, "Hey, I'm staying out of the programming. I don't want to mess anything <laughs> up." Yet that's where you need to go to do the calibration or initialization yeah. of some sort. Speaking of menus, that's an advantage that Autel has over anybody else it's laid exactly out as it is in the factory tool. So if I'm reading the Nissan service information, which I find is written by some German guy who speaks French, um, (laughs) uh, that I can at least go, Oh, I need to go here and then click this, then click this. Now, granted I have consult, but in my Altel, it works just like the consult. It's the same button clicks. It's the same stupid name all the way across the board where snap on it's oh no you can't go there for this oh you got to go under special functions and then you got to go here and then you got to go here oh then that test is there and i think that's a big advantage to the altel is the sean is the launch laid out the same way as the oes or uh not quite as well as the autel i mean it does break it down pretty close to factory stuff but it's on uh so so this diagon it's actually an android cell phone so there's the limitation of the tool is it's a very small screen the graphing sucks but it's broken down into good menus. Um, yeah, N- Nissan's abbreviations kill me. I-, I-, I have to go figure out what IVDR means. I'm like, I-, I don't, I don't even know what I'm looking at here. It's some abbreviation, and uh, you can find it in the service information. But it's like, could it kill you to put in a few more letters so I know what I'm looking at? <laughs> Nothing's worse than Ford IDS. You get to a data pit screen on a PZM with like a three five EcoBoost twin turbo. There's a thousand PIDs there, all four-letter acronyms. You're like, seriously, come on, guys. It's 22nd century. We have unlimited screen yeah. space. You can, uh, you're right hovering. <laughs> you're going across hovering so you can read what they all are. Yes. Or you're a nerd like me, and you go to the Ford service information. You print out their 27-page uh, acronym list so you can glance through them every so often. So all of you guys have an HP Tuner Scable. You should read an EcoBoost sometime. Now that you mentioned that, hey, you've seen the other side of it, look inside yeah. there. 
just to see some of the verbiage that they use on the control command side of it. Cause there's some shit in there that like, I can't even say it. I'm like, well, how did you come up with whatever you just called that? It's just, it's does awkward. That, does that apply to my wife's 2020 uh, Ford Explorer ST? <laughs> yes. I think so. <laughs> Which is wicked fast, by the way. I I, that, that, that is, I, you know, I, I think I stopped talking about, you know, I, I bought HP tuners for a very specific purpose. I had a, a hurdle of a vehicle where another shop put a new uh, rear differential, an entire rear end in a, oh man, if I remember the right year, I think it was an 06, 07 Crown Victoria. And they unwittingly received and installed a police interceptor rear end. So now the <laughs> speedometer was way off. And I thought IDS, I really did. I thought IDS would just go in there and let me rewrite it. Well, it has the ability to change the gear ratio, but it's kind of VIN locked. Based on VIN, it's only going to allow you so much room to adjust that. So it would not allow me to punch in the new gear ratio. So then I thought another tool I had, Forescan would do it. And, you know, that does some pretty interesting things, but it would not do that. And uh, I ended up buying HP tuners. And, you know, once I kind of nutted up and went to expert mode like i should i should know better now but you know sometimes and it said right in the small print like oh this regular mode easy mode or whatever will do the majority of what you need no no just do expert mode but anyways i got it done and then i found i use that freaking thing a lot i use that thing a lot for just drivability or data gathering specifically with the PCMs. The graphing is really good. Give an example of a car that you fixed with HP tuners that you thought was friggin' awesome. Uh, The first car with a uh, uh, air measurement issue because of a mass airflow sensor because, I mean, okay, yeah, I could just graph the field trims and stuff, but I also have the ability to chart it out uh, exactly like eScan where I can look at different cells and I can graph um, short-term and long-term field trim versus uh, load. And I can watch things populate. And you could just see, I mean, perfectly, this is a measurement issue. This has a mass airflow. It was contaminated, mass airflow sensor. And, you know, you do enough of them, you could just look at the graphs or maybe not even graph out field trims. You could just drive it and know what's wrong. But to just kind of see it on there like that, and for the price of the freaking tool and what it does, like, I, I, I'm a big fan. I, who, who would have thought I would ever tell people to go out and buy HP tuners as a diagnostic tool? I don't tune nothing. I have no intentions of turning anything off on a vehicle like, you know, uh, VVT or, um, or not VVT, but sorry, cylinder deactivation, DOD, DOD AFM. I, I have no intentions of turning stuff like that off but as a diagnostic tool or something that kind of helped me out on a, an issue where used parts are being used or not exactly the right part that I can get the car going again, you know, make the speedometer read properly that, uh, man, was it like 300 bucks? No yeah, brainer. 350 bucks. Yeah. No so brainer. For, this, for what you get out of it. And I second you and we, we were just kind of chatting that the other day about the, like the fuel trim stuff. If you set your charts up good enough, it'll literally lay colors out for you. I know that sounds kind of dumb and like childish, but if it's, you know, red, it's bad. If it's green, it's good. 
And, and you literally watch those things when you're looking at trims and airflow. And I mean, I have, after my experience with it now, and I've been using HV tuners for 10 years now. So I, I got a lot of charts for a lot of different vehicles that I can just walk up to them and boom, it's good. So, and there's been a lot of scenarios just like you that I walked up to a vehicle and I couldn't get it with another scanner of mine to do something. I just remember a couple of weeks ago, guy couldn't get it. They, I don't even know what they did at the shop. But it was a 2005, six, seven, uh, Ford F-150. It's for some reason they need to do a crank relearn. It kept popping the code and the customer didn't even give a shit about the code. What he cared is that his remote start didn't work. You know, we're in cold weather right now. So Florida <laughs> down there. Just, what? <laughs> just sit and smile, bud. Sit and smile. But you know, and that, that was the customer's only concern. And that, you know, they tried it with uh, multiple different tools and they could not get this. Just all it had to do was just do a crank relearn. I mean, it's literally in most cases as easy as hitting a button and it wouldn't work. And with HP tuners, I hit it. It went done. Easy as that. Give me $125. That's my hour worth of labor work. See wow, you later. <laughs> you came to me. I sat down. Cool. Oh, I mean, he came to you. Oh, that's good money. <laughs> Usually those for me, they just forgot to hit the brake pedal. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's, the, that's what I get. <laughs> It, it was something so stupid is that, I, you know, I, I don't know why even, because they had done it, that this had came through the dealer. So it wasn't something, I don't know why, but I mean, it, nor did I dig into it, but it saved my ass on just little stuff like that. But, you know, and people like I do this for the Dodge dealership locally all the time. With the HP turners, you can reprogram and, and Fonzo, you mentioned this with, with gearing, but with Jeeps, P- Jeep people change tires all the time. Yeah, all the time. But it, it, here's the beauty is everyone thinks, and, and we kind of said this earlier, well, we got to buy tokens or, or license or credits, right? But with Jeep, no. Chrysler, no. I mean, I do it with a scanner. So I literally pop into the shop. I redial their tire size in because they're changing them. This is just what Jeep people do. And it doesn't cost me anything. It's free for me. It's not like I'm recalibrating the PC. I'm not reflashing it per se. I'm literally typing in what the gear ratio is, which is, it gives me the gear ratio. But if it's a 363, it says, hey, it's a 363. Did you change it? No. Okay, it says, this is a 35-inch tire. Did you change it? Yes, I changed it to this. Next, 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 done. It's as easy as that. So, and I I cannot count the amount of monetary value that I've made out of that free scan tool. Uh, You know, and and that's the power for a lot of people. And and the beauty, and I mentioned this earlier, I'm a, you know, Sean says he's cheap. Welcome to the world. Me too. So I always want value and stuff. I want something to be worth something. And if you once again, jump on Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, you buy an HVT cable for $350, you will sell it for $350. Easy as that. You'll probably sell it for more because it's got unlocked vehicles per se in it. And a lot of people's case. So somebody has got a $350 cable and they got all general motors vehicles unlocked from, Oh, 99 to 07 and a half. Well, they're selling that thing for two grand. You know, they, they're, yeah, they're invested money, but like they're actually, I mean, it's worth something at the end. So that, that's a beauty behind that. So, but the amounts of times I, I dig the charting inside there. I mean, I can really lay some stuff out, but there's all kinds of just fun stuff in that, that is, it's saved my butt or I've had fun with it. And that's the, the cool thing with me is I, I'll read, if I get a new car in that it, it can read, I read it just to see what the engineer did and why I traditionally have no freaking clue why, but it's kind of neat to just see what the hell is going on. Do you guys use a uh, four scan 
Oh my and, gosh. And my wife my wife makes fun of that name every time I bring it up. You can imagine why, but anyways. <laughs> why don't you explain why? I think we would all like to know why. Yeah, I wouldn't know why. <laughs> what are you going Please where are you going with that? Detail. Please, yeah, yeah, detail this. Can, can we get your wife in on this to explain yes. why she makes fun of it? <laughs> she, she she saw me, I was on the website and she just starts laughing. I'm like I was like, what? I, I'm looking at scan tool stuff. <laughs> she's like, she's like, seriously, that's what they named it. <laughs> there's a, there's another one out for Fiat called Alpha OBD, and it does the most incredible BS that you've ever seen. Um, Michael Phelps actually mentioned it on the uh, J page, so I'll give him credit. And I kind of bashed him for it because I'm like, no, nah, man, we shouldn't be messing with that. And then the other day, somebody called me and they're like, hey, man, I put tow mirrors on my Dodge and they don't work. Well, the Alpha OBD, I don't have to call the dealer. Um, I can just go in and turn them on right in the BCM and I'm done. I don't have to wait for the dealer. Now, the problem is if somebody does a vehicle uh, configuration restore, it's going to wipe them out, obviously. But, I mean, with a click of a button, you can do it. Um so that's nice. But yeah, I live with Foreskin, especially like Garrett mentioned that 05 Ford, man. Probably the reason the dealer couldn't freaking do it is because it was an 05. And right now, IDS blows at anything before 2010. I don't know what. To, I mean, when I see a 2010 and older, I'm like, please, 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 please program. <laughs> I mean, the whole time. I, I don't, I don't know. Now, in in Foreskin, Matt mentioned earlier that he couldn't change the gear ratio. Well, the problem is Matt didn't understand where in the as-built data in the PCM the gear ratio actually is. So, and I would have had to go in there and do that, right? Right. So you have to go in there and manually change the as-built in, in that little section. Um, and and you can get into some of these Foreskin groups, and they'll tell you to turn TPMS off and like my wife's 2020 Explorer. And I'm like, What? Uh, I don't know how these guys figure it out, but they know all the coding in the modules and what they do. And the, they can change anything. Um, one of the big things is having like Bambi mode. So you can have the fog lights and the high beams on at the same time. I'm like, why do you need fog lights if you've got the high beams on? I don't understand. But whatever floats their boat, right? And and so I'm in these groups and I kind of laugh at these people doing it. The best one is, is everybody's trying to add remote start because they all live up where it's cold because y'all are idiots. And, and they're like, oh, I'm going to have a remote start to my uh, 2017 F-150. And I'm like, no, you're not. They're like, why not? And I'm like, well, you have a 315 megahertz system, and the remote start key is a 901, uh, a 902 or something. So I'm like, you're not changing the car to accept a 900 megahertz. It, the antenna is set to receive one signal. That's all it's going to receive. So there, there is some cool stuff with Forescan. You just need to know what it can do and what its limitations are. Oh, and it's like 50 bucks for a lifetime license. I know, right? That was a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. It was Why a not? no-brainer. And I used it with my Cardac, and then I had an Elm scan from uh, beta testing Pico NVH, and it works with that too. works really well. Yeah, I just have a little... Well, when I first used it, I had a little Elm connector that works fine, but yeah, I think it's any J device. So this uh, is what the Alpha OBD runs off of. Okay. Um, it's this device. I actually have two because they were really cheap on Amazon. So, and I was like, I'm going to leave it in a car. Look how freaking small it is. <laughs> it's going to be left in a car. Yeah. I, I need like the, the Y tech or the micropod yellow flag on 
all my stuff or if it if it's in the DLC. Otherwise I so, I get to my van, I'm like, God damn it, I forgot I'm there again. I uh I was at a body shop and I plugged in my white tech and I walked in to show him something because you know it was on the iPad so you could walk a mile away if you left the Wi Fi in the car. Well, my truck was next to the car, so I had my Wi Fi in the truck. Well the lady got all mad because I wasn't gonna fix her car and she drove off with my micropod. I to this day I've never seen it. <laughs> She went and traded the car in before the police tracked her down because I called the police on her and they, they were like, uh, she doesn't even own that car anymore. I'm like, what? And of course, the dealer was like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing left in the car. So. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so somebody probably found it and like, oh, what's this thing? It looks oh, cheap. I'll just throw it away. <laughs> I guarantee you somebody found it during cleaning the car. It was like, Oh, she left her insurance thing in here and tossed it in the trash. No, they had no idea that was an eighteen hundred dollars scanner right there. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to ask everybody a question here. Uh, if you could get something on a scan tool, yet you had magical powers and uh, you could just—I don't know—maybe make a scan tool, but. I don't know. Maybe that's too big of a question, but at least a certain feature, something that you want out there, something that a scan tool could do or something that could help you with. What what would it be? What what would you that, just That isn't out there yet? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe maybe Cuz cuz my knee jerk reaction when you started the question was I want that Y-Tech style topo- module topography on every scan tool. Every every yes, scan that was tool. exactly what I wanted the first to say. Thing that came <laughs> Second thing is like, if you're thinking like what maybe nobody's come out with is I just want to be able to plug it in and tell me what's wrong with the car. <laughs> I thought that's what they did already. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the ones down at O'Reilly's and AutoZone does, but they won't sell me it. Well, that's because they always just sell oxygen sensors. That's what they, I swear they all just say that. <laughs> uh, ours has been, they've been selling a lot of EGR bells. Very impressive. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a non-inspection, non-emission, do-whatever-you-want state. We don't Same do cats. Us. We don't do EGRs. We don't do EVAP leagues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, uh, pull that check engine light bulb. <laughs> pull it. Just wait for that local wannabe tuner to come down and remove that code for you for, for a couple hundred bucks because he's got the hacked HP tuners, so he doesn't he doesn't care how much money he makes. Yeah. Uh, with tw- what 2018 on up i mean it's now not completely unreasonable for the one tool to do yes quote unquote everything you know having that one decent tablet with a decent j box or you probably have a couple j boxes just in case and uh it might not be unreasonable that you're going to do an awful lot of car lines and fully capable "Quote unquote one tool." Well, well, I said it earlier. We're we're three years into 2018's cars, yeah. right? Because 2021s are out. I'm working on 2021s. I mean, probably nobody else's, but I've worked on like 20 of them already. I'm <laughs> sick of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no reason that in a couple years you won't have. I, I'm a big fan of Dell's uh, 5424 rugged laptops right now it's got 32 gigs of ram it's got an m2 solid state hard drive and a gen 8 uh, i7 processor i mean the thing turns on at 12 seconds i mean you get one of them bad boys in a cardac 3 partition it four ways you have all the oems there and you're done um so i mean you talk 10 years from now we're in 2028 
why why wouldn't a shop just have that and that'd be their go-to yeah. tool i mean yeah. snap-on's gonna have a harder time selling by then altel's gonna have a harder time selling by then because why would you spend five or six thousand dollars on a tool when a j box and a laptop does it all and yeah. i'm in a different boat than you guys right so 80 percent of my shops are body shops um i've kind of gotten away from the mechanic shops because if i have to tell that guy one more time how to read a fuse diagram i might just go like postal on the guy and start shooting people so i do a lot more body shops so i kind of have a thing now where i'm just like oh your car is 10 years old yeah sorry i'm not i'm not helping you and, and the reason is is there's if they're calling me the car's so broken it's going to need more than one two or even three parts or you find one problem to then fixed to reveal a bigger more expensive problem because it had this code that prevented it from checking the cats and now they need cats and they need this and now they're all annoyed and and so i've just stopped if it's over 10 years old so maybe in 2028 there's a lot more shops that just say oh nope we're not doing anything over 10 years 10 years old because we have all the factory tools for 10 years and up what i can tell you is there's not going to be a shop here and beautiful Iowa that they're they're refusing 10 years old shit because everything right now is 20 years old. <laughs> you you I mean, lose 90% of your business where I'm at. <laughs> oh yeah. It's gone. You might as well just close the doors before you say that. I, I strive for that stuff. I love, I mean, for me, well, I walk into a shop and they're like, I can't figure this out. And it's an, uh, 93 Honda. You know, we, we've joked about that earlier, but like, no, that's stuff we see straight up. It happens. Because I made $700 in three hours doing an ADOS calibration. That's why I turned it down. Yeah, I would think Matt would see more of it than us because stuff doesn't really no, bust and away. But that's the problem too now is, is – so my wife has um, – when we got married or met, she has an 06 Ford Escape with a 3-liter. And I still have it. I use it as my kid mover. Um, but it's getting so hard to find parts yeah. and, and I'm sorry, but these 2018 cars, their modules are one-time use only. And unless we start having more tools come out, like um, terminal IO, you're going to get somewhere like FDRS will not take a used module. Yeah, so, I was just going to say that might be a whole nother show. So now talk we're about ways around that. Now we're into a problem of, Yes, they don't want to work on that car that's – or yes, they want to work on cars that are 15 years old. But, oh, look, you got an injector driver problem. Oh, push your car out back. You're done. I, I think the shelf life of a car is, is much smaller. Um, I, I said earlier about my wife at 2020 Explorer. I basically bought it because they offered me 0% interest because of COVID. And who's turning down free money? Um, she didn't know it anyway because she has an 06 Mercury Mariner, and it's just embarrassing. But <laughs> – uh, I'm really wondering if in 15 years I'll still be driving it because what happens if anything electronic fails? I mean, you don't actually shift the car. I turn a knob and it sends a signal to the transmission, a motor shifts and it changes gears from drive to reverse 10 years. Am I still going to be able to get that valve body with that motor in it? That's the society we live in. I mean, think seriously, think about anything in our society. It's a throwaway society. Look at a phone from two years ago. It is literally garbage. I that, just got rid of my 7 Plus this weekend, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. I mean, we think about cars. Yeah, here's a 7 Plus. <laughs> I just got rid of it, baby. But no, people do that. 
I mean, seriously, if it's a couple of years old, so I don't disagree saying that, you know, stuff isn't maybe going to be as old, but I mean, we used to build alternators once we used to rebuild starters once. That's none. I've, that doesn't happen. So yeah, uh, a lot of the craftsmanship is thrown away. Yeah. the craftsmanship is gone. Yeah. A lot of the craftsmanship is gone. Absolutely. Um, so I don't disagree that we're going to be throwing more stuff away or even a newer vehicle. I don't disagree with that at all. I yeah. hate to think that. I really do hate to think that because that takes away some of our meat and potatoes. That's um, another show, Sean, because you know this is one of our uh, uh, problematic things with the trade industry is the dichotomy of the sophistication of the vehicles versus its general value. That's that's a big hurdle. Well, that, also, I, that also leads into what we're talking about right now. Get advanced. Don't think that you're going to sit there and just repair on the engine guy in the shop. <laughs> okay, what happens next year? There is no engine guy in the shop because who cares? Throw it in the garbage, you know? So you need to know how to use, you brought it up in IO. I mean, you need to know how to figure these other things out. And that's where, just like what we're doing right now. I mean, get ahead. Don't just stay, get ahead. And and then you take that engine guy, right? You look at Ford. Ford's now doing production changes as they go down the assembly line. They now know that this engine went into this truck with this VIN. So anything from this VIN forward has this update. Oh, okay, perfect. So now you get a used engine, you put it in, and it's got all kinds of weird problems. And it's like, but it's a 3.5, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's a year older in, or a year older engine. It didn't have these updates. Now you go through and fix all this crap that was changed at the production line, or you put a year newer engine in, and now it's got all these random codes because it doesn't have the right calibration in it. Uh, I mean, the day and age of used parts is coming to a weird end, in my opinion. I remember yeah, when I man. first got into the field, and I worked at a shop that loved putting used parts on stuff. And it was a, it, it was a great shop, and I'm, that's not like a hit on that. They just, they, if, if they could save the customer money, they would. And we would still do it very, it was very correct. And honestly, one of the technicians that there is one of the smartest guys I know. So it's not like a hit like that. It's just that's what would happen. And now I talk to the guy, Mike, and it's just like everything you're like, you're saying you're, there's no such thing as used anymore. I mean, is it how to, how it works out to him, but like, oh yeah, we needed a coil. They would go grab a freaking coil that was used to save somebody money. Yeah. Right. You can buy one for dirt cheap. Why would you yeah, even yeah. think about doing that? I don't I, know about I, you guys, if you guys ever did that kind of stuff, but you know, we always, you know, you get, you have a junkyard, you're switching an engine in a car, you rip off all the old parts, throw it on the shelf as you're just in case parts maybe. <laughs> And people yeah, just, I would say, people do that. Yeah. They have the North wall, you know, full of <laughs> shit. Sorry. The, uh, the use, the used parts are generally big, like engines, transmissions, yeah. rear ends, maybe control arms or, um, uh, like subframe type stuff, maybe rims, uh, modules once in a while. It's probably now probably do more used modules than we've ever done before just because of what's Matt mentioned that parts are next to impossible to find either they're out of production or the price of them. I mean, it's, it's price prohibitive cost prohibitive to put the new module in or the, to locate one and to get it is, or, you know, sometimes months away and the aftermarket solution, you know, if I'm going to, you know, I hate, you hate talking crap about anyone, but, I'm sorry, A1 Cardone has a reputation that they earned. It's Orbit rough. Course. It's rough <laughs> to order that, right? 
it's rough. So then you get the used one and, you know, sometimes there's no issue, you, you know, program it, or there's a couple of uh, hoops to jump through to get it to work. Or, you know, we'd start learning to use these other means like IO terminal and That's wh- where whatever, that comes whatever tool. Yeah. And yeah, if but, you're not going to figure that out, then then you are screwed. You can't. Yeah. It is a throwaway car. Then you're, yeah, you're done. You're looking for out. another. Yeah, you're looking for another uh, shop that can do it, or tech, or mobile yeah. guy, or um, you know, even even some module repair stuff like uh, Fords and Mazdas that pop the coil drivers from bad coils. You get the new coils, but the modules sometimes are either you, you can't find them or you're trying to find a used one, which a lot of the rebuilders are buying up the used ones now. So now you're tearing apart a module to replace the, um, a driver. And, and not that it's terrifically difficult, but that's just not something you would normally ever, in the past, you would never have done that. Well, we went from rebuilding alternators, which I never did, to rebuilding ECMs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In-house, yeah. I, I, I had to do it in college, right? Had to do an alternator and a starter. Put the starter. They, on the they took it apart at UTI and told me all the parts. And the instructor oh. was like, "If you work at a shop that makes you do this, go find a new shop." And he put it back together. And I was like, "Okay." Um, Same with carburetors, rebuilding carburetors. Maybe the back, first two three years I was in the trade, we did rebuild carburetors. What's but a carburetor? That, they're, yeah. they're not carburetors. They're vacuum controlled fuel injectors. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of obsolete parts, I had a body shop call me today. He goes, Hey man, I need you to build me a harness harness for what? He goes, Oh, I got a 2015 F250 platinum. Somebody stole the tailgate off of, and the harness that goes from the bed to the camera is, is nowhere to be found in the United States. I'm like, get out of here. It's a common truck. Number one truck sold in America. It gotta have a harness. So I, I stopped at my Ford dealer. I do a lot of work at, and the guys are like, uh, I show 2000 on national back order. And I'm like, can you give me the connector part numbers, please? And in a wiring schematic for this VIN and, and it's a special shielded cable. So I ordered some, sh- you know, shielded cables so I could make the shielded cable steel shielded. But I'm like, here I am it, this harness costs $45 from them. Now I'm going to spend $200 making this cable because Ford doesn't make it. But what, what do you do? Like you can't get this. I think I'm going to offer Ford my design when I get uh, I was going to say, how long did it take you, you to make it? You could make some money on this if there's that many on back order. Because <laughs> yeah, he could see all the parts depots, how many have back orders. And it was a stupid amount. I mean, just stupid. And I'm like, and, and he's like, oh, yeah, Ford put out a, a resolution notice that on 12-1-2020, they don't, uh, they're having a part sourcing issue. And that's why they can't, they can't put out these cables. Okay, so when are you going to get the cables? And he's like, "Oh, it's unknown. Could be next year. Could be two years. We don't know." Oh, there's been some GM part issues too because their their parts thing went on strike for a while, didn't they? Yeah, but that was the UAW. The reason all domestic cars are going to come to an end in a couple of years because the labor rate's so high you can't afford them anymore. Stupid unions. Well, how you really feel. <laughs> that was the nice version. I'm trying to be polite because it's a podcast. <laughs> Are there still unions like for automotive? I mean, for us. Yeah, some of the dealers have them. The dealers do. Yeah, yeah. dealers do. Um, The UAW is real big in uh, like Detroit and stuff. Those dealers are all UAW people. Up here in the cities, there's quite a few I know of. Um, They, I mean, they come into the come into the school trying to 
get technicians from the class and there's, it's not all of them, but a number of the dealers still have uh, union setups. Fair enough. Here we just play uh threaten to quit and leave so you can get your pay raise you want. If not, just go to the dealer that offered you the pay raise and wait six months, quit there and go back to your original dealer for twice, the, for a couple dollars more than what he even offered you before you left in the first place. I mean, that's it's the only way to get a pay raise in this industry is to quit and move. I don't like hearing that. I think if you work hard, you deserve it and, and somebody should give it to you. Yeah, but that's not how the real world works, right? Like service managers trying to pinch pennies. So the best way to pinch penny is to not pay that guy a dollar more an hour. Cause he maybe can't that's at a dealer. I don't know. Locally, I guess I, maybe I'm spoiled. I traditionally see shops that are, the individuals are fairly happy and stay a fair amount of time. Not saying all, I'm not saying most, but in a fair amount of scenarios, I get, I totally see what you're saying. I don't disagree at all. And I hate that too. But the I year I got like, married, I had five jobs. I haven't had that in my life. <laughs> I just jumped reminds from job me of like job an to job. Liv- reminds me of a In Living Color skit. I think it was Amon or something. Or... Matter of fact, I think... Uh, He's got I think 99 father- jobs. <laughs> yeah. I think my father-in-law was concerned for a minute. I couldn't hold down a job, but it was really like, it was like, oh, job A offered me $2 more an hour. I was there like 30, 40 days. And then job B was like, hey, man, I'll give you $2 more an hour on top of that. And I'm like, hey, this guy offered me and they wouldn't match it. I'm like, doop, 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 doop. And then somehow that led to me working for myself, which is weird. <laughs> now I make less than when I started. <laughs> we, we don't by any, by any means have a revolving door, at least on our shop, but we've lost techs to um, jobs that it's just no way to compete. You know, we have the Coke refinery. Not When you think of Coke, it's not like Coca-Cola, but it's a petroleum is it Ashland? Coke I think. Coke as in like cocaine when you said don't. Yeah, think it's yeah. I'm like, oh. We're close enough to Canada. Yeah, um, I think it's right off 52 there, um, above um, Rosemont. Like, like half the okay. people is, I think it's Ashland. Know where 52 is. But you lose them to that. You lose them to um, just various other trades. Uh, one guy left us to go sandblast semi trailers. And the money he's making to do it, it's it's insane. Benefits, everything. Yeah, uh, a couple of awesome techs I worked with at Firestone. Uh, one guy left to roof. I mean, that, that I've never roofed anything. It sounds terrible, but he's like, yeah, I get paid way more doing that. And then <laughs> another guy, he's working for Polaris. He's actually doing like diagnostic stuff for Polaris, but he says it's way better than automotive. Another guy went to the railroad. So yeah, I, I've, I've seen yeah, that the railroad. as well. Yep, the railroad's rough. Uh, a few of them go to Caterpillar. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, it's not even. It's I don't not even, even want to like work on a twenty five hundred because it's so big. I couldn't imagine working on like a D eighty dozer. Yeah. Well, one of them, he doesn't even work on the stuff. He does inspections, and we can't touch what he. He didn't leave us. I interviewed him, and he's like, "Well, I got this interview with Caterpillar, and I thought it was to go fix stuff. No, he inspects um, like boom lifts." And he came back and he was just talking and he, he knew what was going to happen. I mean, he knew we couldn't touch that. It was insane. It was just insane. I mean, for the people we need, what we're going to have to generate to, to not only attract them and retain them, it's, we're going to have to, I don't, you know, adopt an entire new philosophy of marketing and repair and charging and all of that. 
that's that's what I was going to ask. What are you seeing the pay rate at? Like, say a, th- uh, a five-year tech ASE master. What do you, what do you expect him to make? Here in Iowa, eighteen to twenty-two. That's it. What are you guys seeing up? North? I mean, you guys aren't two hours north of me. What are you guys seeing? Um, I'm, I'm thinking I, I, other shops might be around that. Um, yeah. I think we're going to be more into the low to mid twenties. Yeah, I was going to say fifty, sixty a year, uh, yeah. roughly for that in the cities would be my guess. Yeah, I but mean, I mean, keep in mind we're in rural Iowa here, where you can buy a three bedroom home for eighty thousand dollars. I mean, so obviously move it around a little bit, but it doesn't surprise me. Right there. It's not uncommon. I mean, to me, though, I'm thinking a three, five-year tech, right? ASE master certified. He's probably going to have most of his tool he needs. I'm going to say a minimum sixty dollars to $70,000 investment in tools because, I mean, look, a box is ten grand itself. I mean, the guy basically bought a house in five years in tools. To, to sit there and say the guy's going to top out at $22 an hour is just, just atrocious. Well, it's not saying top out, but that, I mean, that's a three I, to five year. That's, that's right. I, but, I, but here's I my hope they would pay him more eventually, but you know, that that's honest to God. That's where I would expect anyone in that range right there to be where I'm at. But here's my, here's my issue with this. So my brother does construction and oh. he, he does a four year apprenticeship and he makes 26 bucks an hour and he has no tools. Why, why go in the automotive industry? He not only bought his house in that five years, he paid cash for it, and he has no tools. Oh, and all his training was paid for. He went to Vegas like 10 or 12 times for classes that that his work paid for. During work days, not weekends, work days. Yeah, that's that's the thing is <laughs> that's my beef with this industry, and we got a whole other topic that could. I know, I right? Feel like we <laughs> topics twenty-seven. You've got, yeah, you've got a half a dozen new topics here, Sean. <laughs> yeah, could be yeah, our that. weekly board meeting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one more big thank you to Garrett. Matt Fonslow and Matt Skunderich. Uh, that was really cool being able to sit down and shoot the breeze with those guys because that's kind of what it just felt like. It's just a, a very casual conversation, but uh, everybody's got very good insight into this topic and more. Of course, we started some potential future conversations in there as well. Great to have these guys back on again at some point or another. I'm sure I will do that. But for everybody else, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Hope you're enjoying the content. But other than that, let's all get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.